see everybody. Just to catch us up, if you weren't with us last week, we started uh, a series called The Difference and uh, we're kind of investigating or discovering, looking to discover what it is that uh, Jesus claimed or what we're kind of interpreting was the difference. And there's a whole load of things you can believe in. There's a whole load of lives uh, that you can uh, decide to live, a whole load of purposes that you can go after. Uh, but we are kind of um, making a statement, if you like, that Jesus said there was one specific thing that would make the difference. There was one specific thing. And it's not just about what would make the difference for those of us that are Christians. If you're not a Christian here this morning or you're trying to figure out what you think of all this stuff, then Jesus' claim goes further than that. It goes further to say that this is the difference that could be made in our world. This could be the thing that actually changes the brokenness in our families. This could be the thing that changes the division uh, in our communities. So that thing that changes everything, the thing that set Jesus apart from everything else that came along. If you've ever wondered maybe what is the big deal, maybe you've been in church so long you've kind of lost sight. You're just coming along, you're singing the songs and listening to someone talk and you're like, you know, what is, what is the difference here? What is the thing that, that makes any change at all to the life that I lead or to the world that I live in? And we're saying at the end of last week, and this kind of where we are this morning, is that difference, and we'll explain it, so if you're like, yeah, I'm not sure about that, that's okay, we're going to take a few weeks to unpack it, but we're saying that forgiveness is the difference. Forgiveness is the difference that could change everything in your marriage, that could change everything in your friendship, in your relationships, in your family. It could change this church. It could change the, the, the face of uh, the way that humanity works across this world. If an understanding of and a commitment to a lifestyle of forgiveness could be nailed, then it would change everything. That's the claim of Christianity. That's the claim that we're making. And if you have that sense where you're just kind of like, maybe stuck in a rut, not sure what you think, you know, kind of loads of, you know, all over the place relationships, then you might want to tune in because Jesus made this claim. Forgiveness could be the difference. In forgiveness, we find something that removes hate and fear and insecurity and mistrust. Can you imagine what your relationships would look like if you could remove those things? What your, you know, community, your workplace, your family would look like if we could remove those things? What would our world look like? If we could remove hate and mistrust and insecurity and fear, forgiveness does that. It removes those things. So this isn't a small claim. It replaces ego with compassion. It softens the hardest parts to love again. It is the game changer. It is the power to change everything. If you're not on board, if you're not sure, if you're not sure, if you're kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure about that, I don't know if I agree, then stick with us because we're going to unpack this. We're going to look at this. It has the power Forgiveness has the power to change everything in your life, in your relationships, in your world. And we find it at the core of what Jesus was doing, at the center of what Jesus was doing. We're going to look at that a little bit today and a little bit in the coming weeks. But we find it time and time again at the center of what Jesus was doing. Jesus was not about kind of like, this is how you should live, here are the rules, 10 rules, follow these. He wasn't about kind of like, you've done wrong, you need to sort that out, and until you do, you can't be accepted in. He was at the core, at the center, about this idea of forgiveness, about complete acceptance, regardless of what I've done or where I've been. And we would describe forgiveness in many different ways, and that's why we've got to talk, take a minute today to talk about what it is and what it isn't. Because the problem with forgiveness in this room alone, if we went further, we'd find other ones. But in this room alone, there will be all kinds of distortions and interchangeable definitions of what forgiveness is and where it is applicable, where it is to be you know, used and how it is to be used. 
We would describe it in many different ways. What it's for, when it's for, how it's used. Because here's the thing. Our experience with something and our use for it determines our definition of it. Let me say that again. Our experience of something or with something and our use for it determines our definition of it. And let me explain. I've got a story to kind of explain this a little bit. And it's a little bit kind of like, oh, non-Sunday morning, but it happened and I want to tell the story. Now, something that I've kind of, you know, growing up, like if I had dry lips or a burn or a cut or something like that, mum would kind of reach for the Vaseline. That's, you know, that was what it was. And so I grew up with this idea. The Vaseline's like, oh, I've got dry lips. You know, I kind of like, you know, rub a little bit on your lips. Or, you know, I've got a burn, like, you know, get the Vaseline. That's what I understood. That was my, you know, understanding of how Vaseline was used. Now, I ran the London Marathon. I've actually run it three times, Paul. But anyway, uh, I... Uh, <laughs> One of the times, you forget, you know, there's so many, but one of the times I ran it, it was actually the first time, uh, one of my most endearing memories of running the marathon, um, I was running on my own, and I was running along near the end, and uh, there was this big lad in all sorts of trouble, like, he was running next to me, around mile 20, he was running next to me, he was in all sorts of trouble, kind of like, you know, everyone is at that point, but he really was at that point in trouble, and he was, he was sweating profusely, uh, and he was, you know, kind of like, you know, just one of them things where it gets quite um, bottlenecked towards the end of the marathon. And you're kind of like running along shoulder to shoulder with a few people. And I shoulder to shoulder with him like I had a shower. Like, you know, it was that, it was that gross. And uh, yeah, sorry, not really a Sunday morning story. But there we go. And so he was there. And you get, if you've, if you've run for a long time, you'll know that you get this kind of like um, salty sweat uh, that's going on uh, towards, you know, kind of like the, the gross part of running. And so he had this kind of like, and he was really, you know, really struggling, like, you know, kind of like just, just managed to put one foot in front of the other, that kind of running where he is running, but people walking were walking faster than his running. And uh, he, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a problem. And this salty sweat, how do I say this? Uh, this salty sweat causes irritation, and it causes irritation in areas, you know? Uh, and so he, he, had, he had irritation, and it was quite obvious he had irritation because he kept you know, itching and stuff, like, as we're running along, it's like, mate, there are, you know, there's, there's kids here, like, you know, and he, he just, he doesn't care at all, like, he's trying to, you know, reset his, you know, and you know, it just isn't working at all, and I've started to feel sorry for him, and he's running constantly along, like, trying to adjust himself, and I'm like, mate, you're in trouble, like, the salty sweat is doing its thing, it's, it's not, and all of a sudden, he starts to run a little faster, I'm like, well, he's got a second wind from somewhere. What's going on here? Like, he starts to pick up pace. And the big lad starts running towards what I can see, maybe 100, miles, 100 meters down the road, the St. John's Ambulance Stand. And he's seen hope. He's seen light. He's, you know, he's like, yes, something is going to help me. He had seen something that I hadn't seen by this point. And there was this lady about, I don't know, about 16, 17 years old, standing there with like a vat of Vaseline. And she's standing there kind of like, you know, just uh, doing her duty, just kind of like, you know, uh, go down to the London Marathon, help. It's a, it's a great occasion. It'll, you know, it'll form memories I'll never forget. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah that's exactly what you got, love. <laughs> and the big lad runs towards her like she is the saviour of his world, okay? And he is like, he's given up on any sense of kind of like the way that you do things or appropriateness or anything like that. He runs towards her. And then in front of her, I'm not kidding, I'll never forget this, in front of her, he literally went in with his hand to her pot, pulled out a massive, like, wad of Vaseline and, and applied. Like, yeah, it's just, oh, I'll never forget it, really. It was just like, oh, come on. I don't know whose face was more horrified, mine or the, the St. John's Ambulance girl. She just didn't know where to look. Where do you look? You know, she's like, like there you go. Like, what are you meant to ask? Are you okay now? I don't really want to know. Just like, just, just, just. Yeah, use the tent. Go, you know, go, don't do what you got to do. So he, he lathered away. 
And uh, that is a great example, really. I, I, mean, I don't know about you, but I get dry lips now. I can't. I can't. I just can't. I just can't. I can't. I, I know it's different. Like, it isn't the same pop. I just like, no, 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 no. I know what that's been used for. It's just, it's wrong. My experience with it and my use for it is based on, it, it determines my definition of it. Our experience of forgiveness or our use for it is going to set our definition for it. Before we look at the thing that makes the difference, before we look at this idea that there is one thing that sets Jesus apart, there is one thing that sets Christianity apart, there is one thing that sets this, you know, this whole lifestyle of, of, of faith in, in Jesus, or we engage in a lifestyle of forgiveness, we need to talk about this. What are we talking about here? What is it? What isn't it? Because our experience of it and our use for it is going to set that definition this morning. And so we need a central point. We need a, a guide, a, 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 an ability to kind of cast off, you know, I, you know I, I've had you know, no real kind of like need for forgiveness. So, you know, like, you know, I'm stingy with my forgiveness. Jesus said, if you forgive those who are forgiven much, forgive much. And there's that sense with us. Sometimes we, we don't necessarily find ourselves effective forgivers because we haven't been in a position where man alive, we've recognized our need for forgiveness. And so our definition is set by our use and our experience. And so we need to talk about this. And the best display, the best display of forgiveness the world has ever seen comes in the claim that Jesus went to the cross to forgive all our mess. It is the best display. For God made him, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 22, for God made him, Jesus, who was without sin, to become sin, so that in him we might know his mercy and total forgiveness. God made him who was without sin to be sin so that you and I who are a mess could know his mercy and forgiveness. If we want to see true and total forgiveness from, from my standpoint, from reading about Jesus, from reading about what he did, from reading about what he, you know, how he went to the cross when he was not guilty, how he went to the cross to take on what I have messed up, the best idea I can find of forgiveness is to look at Jesus so we're going to do that, and we're going to fly through these. There's so many of these, and we're going to cover some of them in the coming weeks. And, uh, and, and so an element where I might just kind of jump past. But I kind of want to lay a foundation before we start digging in next week into this idea of taking on forgiveness as a lifestyle. What it is we're talking about. What it isn't we're talking about. Before we get stuck on our own experience and our own use for it. Jesus set this example that forgiveness is not Forgiveness is not, and we're going to have to try and separate our experience here. We're going to try and have to try and separate our feelings, because the difficult thing when you start talking about forgiveness is you're talking about real emotive stuff. You're talking about the betrayal that you've suffered or have suffered recently. You're talking about those situations where it's very difficult to let those things go, where you're still angry, where you're still bitter, where you're still resentful, and those emotions are strong. And I'm not belittling those for a second, but I'm just trying to, trying to get us into the mindset of grasping hold of. That definition of forgiveness is based on your experience and your use for it. And be wary of that, because that isn't necessarily what forgiveness is. Jesus, there are many of these, but the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the thief on the cross, again and again and again. Jesus showed that forgiveness in its truest form is not approval 
or excusing or justifying what was done. Jesus never made that claim as the ultimate example of forgiveness. He never portrayed anything that that suggested that he approved was excusing or justifying what had been done. There is no sniff of that at all. There is no sense of that, no mention of that. There's never something close where Jesus kind of says, oh, it's not a big deal or, you know, it's actually all right, I understand what they did. He doesn't talk in those terms. But they are all great stories of grace and of mercy and of people being released into a new freedom despite what they have done. God does not make out what is, what is wrong is now suddenly okay. That is not what forgiveness is. It's not a forgi- forgiveness is not that sense where you're kind of like, it doesn't really matter now. Jesus went to the cross to show that it mattered. And so he never you know, laid down a, a forgiveness you know, boundary, if you like, to say that he approved, excused, or justified. He never made out what is wrong was now suddenly right. That is not what the process of forgiveness is. You've got someone or something that has hurt you or betrayed you or disappointed you or let you down, and there's a sense where you're like, you know, I, I don't know if I can let go of that. The process that we are talking about or provoking you to consider is not to approve or to excuse what was done to you. When you get that whisper in your head of the coming weeks, I just want you to remember that. That is not what we're talking about here. Nor is it to pretend or to push down the hurt that someone has caused us. Forgiveness is not to pretend that it didn't matter or to push down the hurt that you suffered. To kind of like, you know, push it away or to deny it even happened. Jesus agonized in the facing of the betrayal of his friends in the days before he died. He had to, you know, see, saw Peter in the, in the courtyard as his friend denied that he even knew him. He had to face that. He didn't pretend it didn't matter. He didn't deny it happened. He didn't kind of push it away. Because the pain was too much. That's often what we do with these kind of issues, is we kind of push it away. Pain seems to be the thing that sets how we deal with things. When it's too painful, we find a way to deal with it. Just kind of like bottle it up, push it away. It didn't happen. Deny it. Pretend it didn't matter. Laugh it off. Kind of like, you know, just, I don't want to have to deal with it. So let's just pretend and put it over there and try and forget about it. And we repress or we deny because it it does seem too great to deal with. It It seems too big to kind of get into. And so it's just, we just push it away. And we carry on. And we pretend it didn't happen. And we deny its impact. The problem with that is that creates what, what we're calling spill points. Spill points into our lives. And I'm reading a book called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall, which is incredible. And if you want to kind of read something alongside this, then that will really help. But he talks about these spill points. He doesn't call them spill points, he calls them something else. But it talks about this idea that when we deny or push down or repress or pretend that, you know, it's not a thing when you know, actually it is a thing or we kind of like, I don't want to deal with it, it hurts too much, I don't want to face that, I don't want to get into the emotion of that, I don't want to have to face that that person did that to me, because they're still in my life, and it's too difficult to face, and all the rest of it. But they create spill points. It doesn't get rid of it, it collects in our subconsciousness. It kind of, you know, bottles up somewhere, and spills out into our lives. And you might recognize some of these spill points. It spills out in anxiety and insecurity. 
suddenly from a not dealing with it, from a denying it, from a pushing it down, from a pretending it doesn't matter, there's an anxiety that just spills out into our lives and it's almost inexplicable. I can't figure out why I feel that way. I feel so unsure. I feel paranoid or I'm not sure about things. And we can trace it back to the fact that we, 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 don't, we don't deal with stuff. We're just pushing it down. Disconnected emotions. That sense of just kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, just, just a hardness. Just to kind of like, you know, just pretend it didn't, you know, nothing gets to me. Nothing gets to me. We kind of like, you know, create that hard image where it just, we're just pretending and we're kind of trying to say to ourselves that that's actually how it is, but it's actually a spill point. I wasn't always like that. I wasn't, you know, that wasn't how I dealt with things. That wasn't, you know, the, the ability to talk and kind of like, you know, get into things and all the rest of it. I've just lost that and I can trace that back to the fact that I just, I disconnect how I feel. Or that betrayal has disconnected how I feel. I can become temperamental, a spill point, temperamental, just uh, kind of like out of the blue anger, out of the blue rage, out of nowhere, kind of like, you know, just, you're just losing it. Just kind of you have a bit of a tantrum or you just lose it with someone, maybe even disconnected from the actual situation, but there's a sense where it's a little bit like, what, where's, where's that coming from? Where did I get so angry? Where did I, where did I start reacting like that? And we put it down to all kind of stuff. And the number one thing, without a doubt, is tiredness. Yeah, we blame everything on tiredness. Instead of just like looking back and going, hang on a second. That is connected to the fact that I've, I've pushed down what happened there. I've pretended it didn't matter when it did. And it's spilling out. Loss of sleep and high blood pressure are the, second, uh, the last two. That thing where there's just something raging within us, but we're just pushing it, pressing it down pretending it doesn't matter, repeating over and over again, denying that it happened, pretending that it doesn't matter, and it just we're, just, we're losing sleep or we're getting unhealthy from it, and we're you know, blaming that on all kinds of stuff, but actually there's a sense, and we're, we're praying that this, this series has a real reach into our hearts. There'll be people in this room this morning that literally struggle to sleep or struggle to have you know, a, a healthy blood pressure, a healthy lifestyle because of the fact they, they have not processed and forgiven people that have hurt them. Not saying that is always the answer why you're not sleeping. It might be that you're on your phone till one o'clock in the morning. But there are other possibilities, and one of them is this forgiveness process. Forgiveness, true forgiveness, doesn't involve this process. It is facing our reality and coming to terms with what happened before committing to the game-changing process. Of forgiving you. Forgiveness can change everything. Facing that reality, coming to terms with what happened before committing to the game-changing process. Lastly, in terms of what it's not, and this is an important one. It's one that comes up if you're in these kind of conversations or kind of processing this kind of stuff, it comes up a lot. Lastly, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation is, you know, when you and a friend or whatever, you and a friend have, have fallen out and you go through a process that repairs the friendship to the point back to where it was or, you know, onwards, but you've, you've, you've reconciled. It's made right again. Your relationship is right again. That's reconciliation. Forgiveness is not that. Two different things. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19, just to illustrate this from a Jesus point of view, says, God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself. But the, second, the next part of the verse says, 
but we still implore people on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Forgiveness is a one-player game. Reconciliation is a two-player game. It takes two people for reconciliation to come about. It's faulty to think that to forgive someone means your relationship returns to how it was. It's faulty to think that when you forgive someone, your relationship returns back to how it was. That's not forgiveness. And if that's you, or you feel caught in that, or you feel trapped in that, that somehow the forgiveness process means that you need to you know, reconcile with that person that betrayed you, or hurt you, or left you broken, that is not the process of forgiveness. That's an entirely different thing. Not that it's a bad thing, not that it's a thing that God wouldn't you know, necessarily want to happen, but sometimes it's just simply not possible or not desirable. Depending on the mess that was made. With forgiveness, the bitterness and desire to punish may disappear. But the wish to have things as they were may not be so strong. Forgiveness would be, as we'll see in the coming weeks, there will be that release of, like, I, I no longer want to hurt that person. I no longer want revenge. I no longer want to hold a bitterness. I no longer have that resentment that just screws up my insides. I don't have that anymore. That's what forgiveness does. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a desire to put the relationship back and reconcile with them. My broken heart can forgive someone that hurt me and be freed from those things without ever reconciling to them. So if you get stuck on that point, I want you just to kind of just hold to that. Just recognize that. Reconciliation, two-player game. Forgiveness, one-player game. Total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Jesus' forgiveness is facing what someone has done and still forgive them. That's what Jesus' forgiveness is. That's the difference. That's the thing that could change your relationships, it could change the way that you operate, it could change the way that your family works, it could change the way that your community comes together. Is facing what someone has done, not pretending it ain't there, not denying, not pushing it away, not pressing it down, facing it and still forgiving them. Being brave enough to face it and to choose to refuse to make them pay. Those of us in the room this morning, and I would be one of these, those of us in the room this morning that have uh, a, a, an, an incident of unforgiveness or a relationship of unforgiveness, there would be a sense, even if you've pushed it down, there would be a sense where you want the person or people that hurt you to in some way pay. Maybe not in a brutal way, maybe not in a, a horrible way, but just in a make it right kind of way. Forgiveness gets us to that place where we're able to peacefully say, that is no longer what I desire. My energy is no longer wanting to be used on that. It is, total forgiveness, a choice to keep no record of wrong. 1 Corinthians 13, the, the chapter all about love, says about the fact that love keeps no record of wrong. Forgiveness is a choice to keep no record of wrong. We keep records to use them. We keep records, you know, memories. We, we kind of hold that stuff tight to us where people have hurt us. We, we keep records to prove that we're right. We keep records to throw back at people, to remind them how much they hurt us or let us down or disappointed us or were disloyal. And we, we, we hold on to that stuff because it's a weapon. 
And it's a weapon that's useful in, you know, kind of that when you've been hurt, the walls go up and you need to defend yourself. And those records are useful to defend ourselves. So we're ready to throw at someone that kind of comes too close again. We throw that, throw that thing at them. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Remember what you did to me. Just be, remember that. Forgiveness is a choice to keep no record of wrong. These records are like... Um, these records are wrong, are like the, kind of like weeds that just grow up in the soil. You don't know they're there a lot of the time, and then suddenly they just sprout up from nowhere. Um, gardening is one of those things that I should be good at uh, from my heritage. Uh, my granddad was uh, you know, a, a massive gardener, and uh, you know, spent a lot of summers kind of just you know, w- watching him. My auntie's a massive gardener. I think my mum would like to be, but not so much. And, uh, but but you know, from my heritage, I kind of, you, know, you kind of think, well, I should be good at gardening, right? And Gemma's much the same. I don't know if Gemma's mum's here this morning, but uh, Gemma's mum is a gardener. And so me and Gemma kind of like get stuck in this sense of we should be good gardeners, right? That should be like a, a natural DNA thing, not how it works at all. Gardening is not something that appears to have been passed down. And we have, these, we have this little kind of front uh, bit of our house where it's like a flower bed. And it's one of those things kind of like, I wish we could have chosen not to have that because it's just a pain. Uh, it's, it, it, just, it grows weeds at supersonic speeds all the time. And, and we, we kind of like, you know, a few weeks ago or a few months ago, went to tackle our front garden and uh, kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people like, you know, I just, you know, if I just had a pair of gloves and a trowel, uh, you know, I, I would be good. And I kind of like, you know, get my very manly green gloves on and uh, get my trowel ready and kind of like, you know, confront it with all these weeds. And man, alive, they're everywhere. And we've got that annoying grass that just kind of like grows everywhere. And it's almost like it's, you know, one of those machines on the pier that when you whack one, another one sprouts up somewhere else. And, uh, and Gem is like ultra aggressive to Towards the weeds, like you know, we we got we got to take them all out. You got to actually like dig them up, and like I'm just kind of lazy, just like you know, just pull one up, just pull one up, and, and if it snaps, oh, you can't see it anymore. That's all right. Yeah, so, and that's kind of like you know, Gemma's like you know, don't let them breathe, like be relentless, and I just yeah, that'll do. Yeah, I can't see that one anymore. That's fine. And the, the problem with the way that I do it, as you probably will know if you're any kind of a gardener, is I just kind of like I don't really deal with it. I just kind of like, you know, just remove it so I can't see it. I just kind of like, you know, kind of take it out of the way. But, you know, I'm not digging in. And Jen, bless her, like, she's like, you know, digging them all up. And I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. And, and so the bit that I've done, I come back to. And I, and I come back to it and they just grow up more. And, and it's ridiculous because I leave it for like a week. And like, even now I'm thinking about thinking like we're doing the garden this afternoon. I'm resenting it as I'm standing here. And, 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 and I know that on the bit that I've done, there's weeds everywhere. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, it's just relentless. Just, and when I leave it for a week, even when I you know, picked a few out, I did it the other day, like, just looked at it. I was like, oh, I'll pick a few out and could feel better about myself and you know, walk inside. And literally days later, it, it, it's there and they're worse again. Because I let them sit there. And some days I actually look at them and I remember and I think, oh, yeah, I should deal with that. But I just, you know, there's other stuff I've got to get on with. Other stuff I've got to do. And when I come back, they're taken over. I'm finding they're sprouting up everywhere. It's the same with this idea. Like, you know, f- you know, before you know it, like you turn around and what was what you thought was cleared out is weeds sprouting up everywhere. These weeds of, of pain and of wrongs done against us, they just they, they sit there and then they sprout up somewhere else in a relationship that's not connected to where it first grew. Or, you know, in a, in a place where you, you, you didn't necessarily think that that's where you held the grudge or held the problem. But, you know, you're angry with this person, but suddenly you've got this weed growing up over here. And I'm angry here now. And that thing over there has become this thing over there. And they're spraying up all over the place. We might not think about it for a while. And then suddenly, from nowhere, I'm bitter there and there and there and there. Because I, I'm not dealing with this stuff. I'm not actually digging them out. 
and saying, I've actually got to face this and choose the painful choice to face up to it and to keep no record of wrong. I want to remove it completely. I want to get rid of it so I, I don't just look to throw it back when you know, it shows its face again. I've let it take root. We need to be better gardeners, keeping no record of wrong, that bitterness, that anger, that resentment, that bottling emotions up. Jesus called us torture to live that way. It's torture. Can I really be surprised at what grows in my life when I make the constant choice to let those weeds grow? Can I really be surprised when I find myself not really connecting emotionally with those that need that because I've let those weeds grow in my life? Can I really be surprised when I flip out and I'm bitter towards people and negative and cynical towards people because I haven't dealt with that? I just keep picking the top off it. Because the thing that Jesus knew would make all the difference is a choice. A painful choice. There's no sugarcoat in that. There's no kind of pretending that this is the easy option. If you're coming to church looking for the easy option, then that's probably not the best way to go about life. Because you'll have weeds growing up everywhere. Love is a choice. It's a difficult one. Those of us that are in love will know that it is a difficult choice to love somebody. Absolute forgiveness is a choice and a painful one. It is the decision to tear up the record of wrong. To say, I won't hold that against you anymore. I am choosing that. There are more on what it is and what it is, and we'll get into those. But we said at the start, Paul, do you want to come? We said at the start, your experience with something and your use for it determines your definition of it. Your experience with forgiveness and your use of forgiveness will determine your definition of it. And that is still true. That is still true. And you'll have relationships in your life where maybe you have needed the forgiveness of others. You have needed it so much that you live a life that is just often filled with shame and trying to make up for it and trying to win back approval and trying to gain affirmation because that is the currency you deal in. And then there are those of you that have just been hurt badly earlier in life and so you put up walls years ago. And so forgiveness is something for you that you dish out very, very stingily because it's too difficult. You don't want to be taken advantage of again. You don't want to be exposed to the idea that you may be hurt again. And so you set that up. Your experience of forgiveness and your use of it sets your definition for it. But that's still true, but let's reset our thinking here. Because I would propose, Christian or not Christian, I would propose to chew over the idea that the greatest experience with forgiveness that you have had or you could have, and your greatest use for it, was when Jesus gave his life for you on the cross. Your greatest experience of forgiveness and your greatest need for it was when Jesus gave himself on the cross to say, you are free from the mistakes that you've made. So that all your mess, all those wrongs, all the pain that you've caused, all the hurt that you've brought would be forgiven. And that you could start again and again and again. 
I want to leave us with that this morning. Maybe that should be our definition of it. Maybe that should be our definition of what it is and what it isn't. Maybe it shouldn't be about our specific experiences that life has handed us. Or maybe it should be about something that is Jesus-centered. Because that forgiveness makes all the difference when I come to understanding and commit to a lifestyle of that total forgiveness. I read a quote that I want to finish with. It says this, When I fully know what they did and desire in my heart that they will be blessed without any payback or revenge for their wrong, I have crossed over into the supernatural. I become the difference in this broken world. That's where we're heading. And we would invite as many of you as possible to journey that. To get to those places where you become a power in this world. Where you become a turning point in, this, in the brokenness that we live in. Where you become something that puts back together and brings oneness. Rather than families broken apart, relationships broken apart, marriages broken apart. The difference is forgiveness. It is a powerful, even supernatural thing. We pray. Lord, as I'm sure the prayer team have already prayed, but to echo it, I just ask that you would just come and move amongst us. Lord, all around this room, are people that have been hurt and betrayed and let down and broken. And we recognize, Lord, that the answer is not try and be perfect for everybody. The difference is forgiveness. Holy Spirit, would you come? In these coming weeks, that you would draw us to this idea of total forgiveness that we might become agents of making a difference in the relationships, families, communities that we live in thank you God yeah so um, as a prayer team we meet together in the morning we really ask that God would give us words of knowledge so